Hello. Hey, Gemma. How's it going? And it's pretty good. Uh, a little sleepy today. Yeah. Did you not? Did you not sleep last night? <laughs> no. We had people over for dinner, and I just like got excited and drank a bunch of wine. So now I'm now I'm feeling the effects. But you know, worked on applying to some jobs today. Always a uh, real fucking bludger over the head. <laughs> It's a real stimulator applying oh, to those God, jobs. It's the worst. It's like, I want this job because I am passionate about the art world. It's like, I'm not. <laughs> no, I literally, I told my grandma that like my biggest source of income was unemployment. Yeah. And she in all seriousness, she was like, I am so proud of you. You are <laughs> such a smart girl. You know how to get things done. I am so proud of you that you're getting money from unemployment. And I was like, it's the fucking default, Grammy. I don't, but I'm happy for your support. Mine has like been like frozen. It's really weird. That's, you're like, the, you're the second person to tell me that. Yeah. And you can't call anybody in California. Like literally you call them. They're like, there's no one here. Goodbye. Yeah. My friends in New Mexico and, and, and they were telling me the same thing. They were like. Well, mine got like reported as fraud. Anyway stupid um but so you have just come off of uh were you freshly watching the housewives before this i yeah i literally x'd out uh in the middle of an episode to uh to get on this the zoom call (laughs) what what episode what was going on well um and as i texted you earlier um like my huge glass of wine (laughs) i I wasn't gonna comment (laughs) i didn't realize that but I'm preparing for the full hour, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, actually that's about, I'm like two episodes after um, Dorinda gives everyone the, the wine glasses big enough for a full bottle of wine with okay. like their taglines on it. Anyway, but I'm on, I'm on season eight. Um, okay. Plug Bethany, me right along. <laughs> right, <laughs> I know, literally. <laughs> I'm telling you, unemployment, it's like all I have to do is like I'm, do nothing all day and I get... I get thousands of dollars. <laughs> I mean, eventually this is going to be lucrative enough where we can, like I said, we're going to have to, we're going to write it off as a tax thing somehow. We're going to write something off, okay? Yeah, my uh, my dad is going to get a tax write off for paying for my Hulu, not yeah. knowing that he pays for that every month. <laughs> anyway, I'm at the point in season eight where Bethany is bleeding profusely out of her oh vagina. My. Oh my God. What What a moment. I mean, yeah, well, she cuts her hair and there's something about the cut, which like, I'm not saying that it's, I mean, Luann is like, it's my haircut, but I, it does make her look like she has bigger shoulders. Like it makes her look taller somehow. I don't like her short hair. What? I don't like her short hair. I don't mind it, but it's like, I, the first time I was introduced to Bethany was when I was watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and they go to the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. And I always like, I always thought of Bethany as being like super tiny, but compared to Beverly Hills, she's like, you know, she's like kind of tall and stocky. And I guess you just realize how oh. tiny all of them are. Well, I don't think she actually is. I just think that in Beverly Hills, they're like so small that I was like surprised. I mean, maybe her, it's like me, like I have a really big face. You have a normal sized face, what are you talking about? She has a huge fucking jaw. Maybe that's it. 
Okay, but if we're going to say that Bethany Frankel is stocky, we are collectively as a society going to collapse. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Stockiness is Beverly Frankel, Hills, dude. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get what you mean. Kyle Richards is like, I think, five feet tall. I was going to say five foot nothing. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Kim Richards, like her sister, she, Kim Richards is like five feet tall. Tiny like, little feet. woman full of insanity. I know. <laughs> she's so, she so like, body deep. math. It's just insanity. How does somebody that tiny cause so many problems? I mean, in my experience, it's always the tiniest people who, who have the most oh. angst and anger in them. I mean, I've been saying this for years. I don't, you know, I take tiny women with a grain of salt. <laughs> They're just hungry. <laughs> They're just really fucking hungry. And they don't know that that's their problem, but that's their problem. They're just really hungry and probably dehydrated. Yeah. Not that we're large. You and I are not large, but we oh, just. Pretty normal sized. We're, we're, we're normal sized. Although, oh my God, maybe I'll cut this out, but. My friend, my I'm not gonna say her name, but this actually the same friend who knows Luann. <laughs> she texted me. She was like, she was like, I have these size zero leather pants. Like you're so small, you can fit into them. So she sent them. She made me pay for them plus the shipping, and it was I was like, all right, whatever. You're giving me a gift, but it's okay. The gift was that she thought I was a size zero. But then they arrived, <laughs> and they then they arrived, and I tried that. I tried. I couldn't fit them on. They were like too small, and I was like FaceTiming like Ava, and I was like crying. I was like, I'm not a size zero anymore. What the fuck? And Ava was like, You're such a fucking bitch. Like. You're a size two, you're not a zero. And I was just having a whole panic attack about not being a size zero. I just really wanted to fit into those leather pants, but I couldn't. I mean, leather pants are cool, but to be honest, if I tried to put on a size pair of zero pants, they probably wouldn't get past my knee. <laughs> <laughs> one knee, one single knee. <laughs> well, they're from the Gap. So I think that like, because they're from the Gap, I assumed that they would just be like large, no matter what size they set on them. Yeah. The gap, is, the gap is stylish. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I have no, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, yeah, you know, just a little sprinkle of body dysmorphia here and there, rampant throughout the pandemic, from what I've been hearing from my friends. Well, it's because I'm just on Zoom all day long. Like Ava and I were talking and we were both just like, like I, we stared ourselves all day long. So now we're both convinced we have like jowls. Yeah, my mom was saying that. She was like, I can't look at myself in another Zoom meeting. She was like, I swear to God, I'm at my limit. I, yeah, no, it's it's really, Chris has like been confronting me. They've been like, they've been like, you, you need to start, you need to seek help. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's just, it's just Zoom. I don't, I, I'm staring at myself too much and really bad lighting. Yeah, I know. I, I want to have like a Kardashian like a like a phone case that lights up so you have the perfect lighting yeah or like or, or like Dorinda's boyfriend her. John John has those reading glasses which have the lights on them well yeah I mean that's just that's just based that's just cool vibes <laughs> is that what you're into are you into reading glasses with lights on them I mean it's kind of next level um it's kind of like uh it seems kind of like techie in a weird way okay so dorinda you you were texting me about her dorinda, dorinda. 
Dorinda. Um, I. What? She's a kook. She is a kook. I um I think that with a lot of new people, and I felt this about Erica Jane too, because they've all had so much like surgery and stuff. They're like, they don't even, they seem like cyborgs. They just seem like total cyborgs when you're first introduced to them. And I think that because they like physically look like cyborgs, um, like their personalities don't necessarily communicate to the aesthetics of their like so-called humanness. So I think it can take a very long time to get used to people who have like had the surgery and the hair color to make them seem kind of like femi, but kind of have a, you know, don't don't necessarily fit into what they look like. And I feel like Dorinda is one of those people that who she is doesn't necessarily match up to what she looks like. Yeah, I totally agree. But I don't think she's had a lot of work done. I think she just I think she just looks like I think she just has bad makeup. Well, it she has a terrible makeup artist for sure. She and looks her colorist. Really her colorist is terrible too. What is that hair? Um, but no, I think, but I think that's a thing that happens on the Real Housewives in general is like the new people who are introduced, it's like really difficult to get used to them because like you've kind of made peace with who's on the show and you're like comfortable with them. And then it's like a new friend and you have to like get used to the new friend, but you didn't really have to say about them, you know? And then you have to see how they're all getting along and you kind of feel for the group like, oh, are they, is it working? Is it all meshing, you know? Which is kind of funny. Yeah, it's like a weird type of empathy that you- A weird social like reaction. Yeah, and I just don't like Dorinda. I don't think she meshes. I don't think she's cool enough for them. I don't like her daughter. And like her daughter has like, like I don't want to be rude, but her daughter is just like these huge cysts all over her face and her makeup is not helping her at all. It's like, accept your cysts. It's like my Instagram story. Well, I don't have cysts on my face, but I, I do have one- tiny little pimple unfortunately for all listening you can't see that phoebe has boils all over her. <laughs> I, am, I am five foot ten 350 pounds and covered in boils <laughs> just in case you were wondering <laughs> um her daughter okay so her she lives where my mom lives she lives in great barrington and my I- my sister's friend's cousin is friends with her daughter. How old is her daughter? I think she's like a little bit younger than us. I think she's like maybe a year younger than us. Okay. They all have kids our age because they're all kind of old. They're all kind of our parents, around our parents' age. Or the older ones, at least. Ramona reveals that she was born in the 1950s. Ramona's like 60, she might almost be 70 now. She's like 67. She is old. She was probably born in 1959 or like 1955. I mean, she's older than like my parents. She's older than our parents and our parents kind of had us late in life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. Um, but yeah, anyway, isn't that crazy? I really want to go to her. We should go to the Berkshires in the summer, this summer. You should yeah. come and we should find her house um yeah because my sister's friend has the address and I've never gone oh my god apparently it's not up a gate or anything it's like right on the street so you know we could just go I just want to drive by I just want the thrill of driving by a housewife's house 
the thrill of it all the thrill of it all well when I was friends with Abigail Tish that's what we used to do she we would like stalk Ina Garden she was like obsessed with Ina Garden that's fun <laughs> okay so Dorinda you just don't yeah you you're not fucking with her well I think that it's sometimes I get like empathetically or sympathetically like scared for them like I hate the boyfriend and it's not just like a fun type of hatred it's not like oh he's funnily ridiculous but he's 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 really bad and he's really gross and I don't like I don't like his vibe did you have did you see that episode I was looking at season eight so I could gauge where you were did you see the episode where he like comes in and gets in a fight with Bethany yeah right and it's it's bad I think that Dorinda, so Dorinda goes through like a couple different personality kinds of, I mean, she's always kind of herself, but she, she changes a lot season to season. And she, Mm -hmm. in this season, I think her and John were like actively partying all the time is my impression. Like, I think she's drunk all the time. All the time. Oh my God. She really starts to slur. Oh, and she, she can't speak when she gets that drunk. I mean, she's Oh my god! And I saw your tweet about the um, Butch Santa, her sister being Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, do you know what her sister's name is? What? Melinda, Dorinda, no. and Melinda, and Dorinda is like so bitchy in her interview. She's like, she's like, my sister Melinda and I are very different. She never left Great Barrington. Never even wanted to leave Great Barrington. She just plants her garden and just has a great life out here. But it's such a dig. It's like, I'm not like my lesbian sister. Like literally that's what she's trying to say. And I, I mean, including me, everyone, including myself thought that Santa was John, but then Santa started talking and it was, I guess it's Melinda. Yeah. <laughs> not Mel- I mean, my psychotic, another one, I've had many psychotic roommates, but one of the many of my psychotic roommates, um, their name was Tahari, and their mom was named, um, Tam- oh my God, what was it? It was like Tahari and Tamara. Yeah, I don't like the name stuff. Weirds me out. I mean, the Ks of the Kardashian are, are fascistic. <laughs> they, I mean, yeah, it's like the KKKKK. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's really it's like obvious it's like obviously not those behind that is like truly violent <laughs> I know. the aggression of the k consonant the k sound over and over and over and over again i mean at, at, where was that I? I think i was reading somewhere that like k is the funniest letter like when you <laughs> like <laughs> really? like it's the funniest sounding letter okay. <laughs> i feel like what is the funniest can you still recite the alphabet backwards yeah do you want me to do it you want me to do it yeah do it for the fans <laughs> <laughs> for the boil for my, my 350 pound cyst body can recite the alphabet backwards um z-y-x-w-v-u-t-s-r-q-p-o-n-m-l-k-j-h-g-f-e-d-c-p-a wow i mean to give everybody context i was just sitting here just shaking my head in disbelief every time phoebe's been able to do that since we were quite young children yeah uh, it's always impressed me beyond belief and I cannot do it to save my goddamn life it's because I'm a poet yeah and a Piscean yeah I'm a Piscean poet um and then so what else has happened in New York that you want to talk about 
Hmm. Well. Oh, you know what? Okay, so I have I have a cup. I wasn't actually I wasn't prepared to talk about. Oh, we don't. Do that. But no, but we can because I have some ideas. Okay. So okay. Talk about whatever, I whatever, actually, whatever you have in your knits. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to apologize to Sarah Shulman for last week's episode. Sarah Shulman, I think you're fucking awesome. I love your book. Um, I definitely didn't give it justice. Um, I'm not very smart when I talk. I feel like I'm smarter in my internal monologue um, than in my my external speaking. Um, your book's great. I was just talking, we were just trying to make a point about accountability. Uh, so for all the listeners out there, um, whatever. Anyway, so that, that, was, that was, it was also like high AF. So I'm sorry, Sarah Shulman, you're awesome. I think you came to our house for dinner when I was like seven years old, eight years old. I don't know. Anyway, I don't care. You're great. I'm a dumbo. Thank um, you. I, I had an idea because I actually, right where I left off when you sent me the Zoom link, um, Jules was talking about her like green juice line, oh, yeah. uh, which is the like, as she says in her words, not mine, it's the merging of her like Jewish mercantilism with her like Asian uh, recipes. Um, and she said something that is very telling and a lot of other people have said, she goes, even if this business fails, it proves that I can do something. So it's, it's actually kind of a continuation of what we were talking about last week, because I think that for them, success is a metaphor. Yeah, for sure. It like, it's like something that, that it is. And it's not like I'm going to succeed and get money because I need money because I need to pay for food and water. It's like success and making money is actually a metaphor for proving my self-worth and proving myself to others. Totally. Well, she's one of those people that they've like, that like, you know, whatever the, the, the geniuses on the internet have like kind of, she, she kind of went on the show, like they claimed to break up with her husband like she went on the show to get divorced do they get divorced yeah well she so she's only on for one season and then after the season because i always get curious like what happened to those people that only did one season i'm actually lo- i love the people that are on for one season because i'm endlessly fascinated by them and i'm like what happened after and it's always something really heinous and horrible it's like carlton assaults her nanny like uh Jules assaulted her husband, punched him in the face. Yeah. I mean, he was like cheating on her the whole season. It's like kind of obvious. She's like, where are you? And he's like, somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's it's very obvious that he's cheating on her. But she, yeah, she like, she like physically assaults him and then he has a risk. He gets a restraining order against her, but um, not in the show. But Jules is, um, Jules is an interesting character. She's quite charming, I think but she's just really truly like fully within an eating disorder. So she's just like really sick. And it's like a little hard to watch because you can kind of see the other women having a hard time dealing with her because they can tell she's ill. Right. Like they don't quite know how to interface with her because they're like, you're actively sick, you know, like, I mean, I think it's cool that she talks about her recovery and is like, you know, honest about it. But I also think like, the food stuff with her it just gets weirder as the episodes go on. Well, it's one of the things I actually that I don't like about Dorinda. I think that um, 
and you know, I've learned this through friendships with people. I, you know, I think that like based on me and my friendships with people who are going through a hard time, whether that's with an eating disorder, whether that's with like drinking too much, whether that's with like depression or other like mental illnesses, you really, you got to be real with those friends and you got to be like, I love you, but because I love you, like if you're an alcoholic or like, if, if like, I'm not going to drink with you. Yeah. But I think that Dorinda's the type of person who's like, I love you. So whatever you do and whatever you say, like, it's going to be okay. And I just like, I did, that's just not love. And I hate watching that. And that's all, but, but right. And it's also what Dorinda expects from her friends. Cause her friends are like, I love you. And your relationship is bad. And she's like, if you actually love me, you would let me do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Well, she's very Italian, kind of like, kind of like, she's a little bit like, fuck you and your mother, if you don't like yeah. what I'm doing, you know, like, but yeah, I mean, I think Dorinda's is just extraordinarily insecure and um, needs people to love her. And so she'll do whatever they want, really. And yeah. Yeah, she's a really interesting, I don't know, she's got, I mean, she's, she's, she gets like a little bit less insane, um, but I go through like really liking her and then being like, this bitch is off her rocker. I mean, she is, definitely. Does anything ever happen with uh, John? No, they, they remain together. She's like, she just, she never really lets him fully into her life. Like, they never live together. He like rarely ever stays the night. I don't really understand what's going on there. But I think it's a little bit like she wants free dry cleaning. Respect. Well, yeah, but it's also just like, I mean, you probably have friends. Like, I have friends who date men who are, like, so below them. I have friends who date women who are so below them. Well, we have friends who date people who are so below them and so horrible to them. And they just do it because they like... It's like they're there. It's like their own mental illness. That's like, I'm going to date someone who hates me just as much as I hate myself. I'm going to date someone who physically looks like the type of person I think I physically look like. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I feel, you know, it's, it's not like, like, I mean, I'm not the most beautiful person in the entire world, but it's like, and everyone deserves love in their life. But I think that there's some people who like have internal beauty and maybe aren't as like that gorgeous in person, but there's some people who are like internally as ugly as they are on the outside. Yeah, for sure. John is that type of person. And it's hard to see because Dorinda, I think has the capacity to be a wonderful person, but I think that she is, you're right, she's insecure and she she takes it out on the people that she yeah. lets into her life. I think she can be wonderful, honestly. I think she can be very maternal and like loving and yeah. like, but okay, but this, okay, that's like, so this, the talking about John, or like this idea of being ugly on the inside and on the outside. So I think that ties into this kind of devil idea in a way, which like, because like, so, so the devil is like in that movie, um, have you ever seen uh, Witches of Eastwick? No. Okay, so it's like, Michelle Pfeiffer and Cher and somebody else, I forget. And uh, they're basically these witches in this, in this like, um, in this like New Jersey town. And um, Jack Nicholson shows up and he's the devil. And it's like kind of campy and fun. 
but basically like he's like very seductive um and like handsome and he like make he like falls like makes them all fall in love with him but he's like it's like they kind of portray him as kind of like clingy boyfriend almost kind of thing it's pretty funny but like Mm -hmm. but then as he becomes as he becomes unable to to support the facade of his seduction he turns into like a disgusting gross person and then like they defeat him and he like you know burns up and like maggots burst out of his body and like it's this whole like outside inside thing of like appearance versus what's inside and i think that the um i think that the idea of the devil is interesting in the real housewives because there's there's a lot of sin in the real housewives and i think like gluttony is a sin you know like so wealth and like you know sex kind of adulterous relationships are a sin but there's kind of this um this thing that i think that's happening too with like the kind of gluttonous like obsession with appearance is like a total like i think it gets to them and it like wears them out and i think that inside they start to like boil up while they like are on the outside continuing with their you know beauty regimens and their skin and their botox and they just they kind of get more beautiful but then like there's somebody like bethany who like does really reflect physically how she's doing on the inside like she looks like shit her like body like deteriorate she's bleeding all of like season eight you know like i don't know i think that's that's like an element of the devil thing that i think is there like there's something about appearances that's connected to this idea of like the presentation of like the devil yeah do you want to say more because i actually i did like a lot of research today no i want to can i hear some of your research yeah so Wait, should we explain why we're interested in the devil? And I don't know why I'm interested. I think I'm interested in it because I notice that they use a lot of phrases talking about the devil. Like they say, like, there's a devil in disguise in my inner circle. Like the devil reared its ugly head. Uh, in the first season of New York City or second season, Alex McCord is walking down the runway and they say that she looks like she was possessed by the devil. Like there's always this, and I think it's just like a turn of phrase, but I'm interested in like pulling that out and seeing like, what it is about the house because there is something devilish about the franchise of the housewife there is something disturbing and sinful about it so that's what that's that's our grounding point so we came in today's episode wanting to talk about that kind of idea so phoebe let's hear your research some of it well there's also another just contextualizing that even further where Gemma, you are you're a very oratory person so one of your projects that you do is you you take screenshots of what they say in the closed captioning. Yes. So you study what they say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And especially in New York, I think that that's it's it's uh they're they're very talkative. There's a lot of noise. There there's not a lot of silence. So you're you're very obsessed with the ears, with the oral capacity, the oral a u r a l and the oral. Oh, yeah. So, so that, so that's something. So it's something about um, like following the patterns of their speech. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when you're on camera, when it's a reality show, like even if whatever, there you, you've 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 slippages in your speech, and I think that like the uh, the the um, 
oh my god like the the not the aphorism but the vernac not the vernacular what's what's it called like the the phrase that can't be translated into another language but that's like sorry it's like the antidepressants make me oh i don't i don't know <laughs> no no you it's like it, oh my god sorry i i need it's like the word you know the word it's untranslatable? Very, like it's something that's untranslatable no it's something that's like particular it's like saying euphemism. Uh, what euphemism no not a euphemism no it's fuck sorry um sorry just give me just give me one sec because okay, i'll say this but it's thesaurus um it's like it's like it, it it's like a turn of phrase but mm -hmm. something that uh like a shit storm would be something like that where like it only makes sense in english but like an like, yeah an expression but mm -hmm. what's like a fancy word for expression almost let me look it up <laughs> utterance um no um idiom yeah an idiom that's what you're thinking of i'm an idiot idiom yeah right idiom there, it, I think that people's idiomatic expressions, the ones that they choose, the one that they've been enculturated to to use, it says a lot about where they're coming from. It the 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 idioms say a lot about your subconscious. Yes. Um. So when I think of the devil, um, something that my dad would say a lot because you know he was kind of brought up in Hollywood, so I kind of was brought up within this like Hollywood sphere of the devil. It was that you always know that who the devil is in the in the in the movies because first of all they're very eloquent, and second of all they usually have a limp. Yes, it's like something physically is wrong. Right, but but so automatically I think of Aviva because Aviva who doesn't have the leg, and I think of Aviva as being someone who is obsessed with. I mean, she isn't eloquent, but she thinks that she is. Um, she she also doesn't have a leg. So, um, so I was thinking of like Aviva is the very um, is like she's the very she's a very obvious example of the devil in the show, but she's also boring, and I think that's actually something that's really appealing to me about about the devil um, is you know the 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 devil can be like a really interesting character. The devil is actually not stupid. The devil is super smart. Super so smart. I started researching um, Satanism a little bit, uh, to, just like briefly going through Satanism. And I, I, I happened upon this man named Anton LaVey. Do you know who he is? I he think is, I've listened to something about Satanism and I, that sounds familiar. He's the creator of the Church of Satan. Right. Um, and a, what a lot of people say about him is he was the performance, like he's at the circus. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking about the word circus. Um, and I started thinking about the etymology, you know, the devil as a performer. Yes. Um, right. And I started thinking about like that, that's a very easy connection. Like the devil is a performer. The devil's like at the circus. It's a plague. It's a fog. Um, but then I was like, hmm where does the word circle come from? Because I, I, something I, I like, I'm really interested in prefixes. Mm -hmm. So the circus comes from, it's, it's a Latin word and the prefix is uh, cirque. Yeah. C-I-R-C, but there's also circum. Right. Um, C-I-R-C-U-M. So circum means around and cirque means a ring. And, um, and, and so what I started thinking of is Cirque 
is both circus and it's circle. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, it reminded me so much of what you were saying, because the same etymology for, for, for circus, which is where the devil performs is circle as in my circle of friends, as in something that is contained. Yeah. Um, and circle is actually the shape that they use the most. I was thinking of ring. I was thinking of the, the engagement rings, the promise rings. I was thinking of necklaces. I was thinking of all of the different ring shaped, excuse me, things that, that, that go on. And I was thinking, so in, 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 ancient, um, in ancient Rome, the circus was the racetrack for the, for the chariots yeah. because it was in the shape of the, a ring. So a circus now is actually, it's only called a circus because it's in a ring. And you can even think of, um, you know, a circle, uh, the circus is in a tent, it's performed, it's enclosed. It's an enclosed space where you watch. So, I mean, it's not like, oh, like, oh, reality TV is, is a circus, but there's something very particular about that shape and about that etymology, which actually links the devil um, and the type of performance and the type of like voyeurism or the type of just like, you can't even turn away from what the devil's doing for sure. Um, and the eloquence of the devil to this type of circumnavigation that, that you do, where you go around and around and around. And can I, sorry, we can, we can also no. this, but so I was, I was, so this guy, Anton LaVey, um, he's a really interesting guy. He's kind mm -hmm. of a fascist, but you know, I feel like I can over like that, that whatever it doesn't it doesn't really matter that's not why we're interested in him it's like whatever he's a fascist but there um there's this quote for, from him that i'm actually i'm gonna read um it says so he was he's talking about the on the political doctrine of satanism and the church of satan he goes satanism is americanism in its purest form with only the outdated moral codes altered to fit the times and with recognition of the fact that only if man's most basic instincts are satisfied can a nation receive its best. Love for one's country must be shown in much the same way as love for another person. We must be able to see her faults and work towards changing them without robbing her of all pride and dignity in the process. On the other hand, we must not blindly accept her faults and constantly make excuses for her, for that is not love, it is infatuation. So already there's a lot there and we can get back to it. But another really interesting thing is that this is actually written uh, and, and, it's, and it's, it's taken from his book, it's called Letters from the Devil, The Lost Writing of Anton Sandor LeVay. And he, he had, uh, he had um, what's it called? A column in a tabloid magazine. Oh my God. Um, and it, you know, you can buy it, you can buy the book for $16 and 66 cents on Amazon. Um, but it's from it from, from, from various tabloid newspapers. That's where he did these writings that are all collected. So there's a lot there. And I think that that actually says, um, you know, we can go on and on and on, but I think that that sets a really broad framework for what we're talking about and the reality television that we're witnessing actually being a very direct metaphor for America and a very American thing. And the tabloids being the connection between Satanism, America, reality television. So that's my spiel. 
That's an amazing thesis. I'm very into that. I was thinking when you were talking about a ring, I was thinking about a boxing ring. Yeah. And I was thinking about the reunions, how they all kind of sit in a circle and well that, and the, the phrase that initially sparked my interest in this is there's a devil in disguise in my inner circle. Right. Um, which is just like all of what you were saying. I know. I think that's, I think that's fascinating. I think the, no, that's super fascinating. I, I think that, yeah, I do think that reality TV is, I mean, art imitates life, right? Like I think reality TV does imitate like the, the basis desires of the consumers who watch it. And um, I think too, that there's like this, that the devil, the kind of like idea of a devil as like an intruder, but in plain sight is very interesting because I think in that framework, Andy Cohen is kind of the devil. Like mm. he's the kind of silent intruder to their, you know, they they play out a whole season, then he comes in and he kind of, you know, he kind of intrudes and he seems very, he's very seductive. He's very nice. Everyone loves him, but you know, he's maybe arguably the one whose soul is rotted the most from the inside, you know, because he has kind of given himself over to this kind of um thing and also i was going to also say that there's a real strong uh imagery of possession in the real like like people being coming possessed like kelly ben simone's scary island episode is as if she is possessed by something and i think ramona when she does the fashion show in like the early season somebody says she looks possessed and there's really this strong strong imagery of people becoming possessed like grip like bethany becomes possessed like so many times throughout the show like she like has a complete freak out and she her face changes everything changes like that she really is kind of they do become possessed and i think that that's interesting because like maybe the possession we're we think is a possession is just like real normal human emotion but we're not used to seeing that on tv in a way like it's like they're actually have a mask and then this is their real selves is like this possessed self but I also think that the idea of possession, and I think the cut, you know, when I first thought about like the devil and the real housewives, I felt like it was something like kind of inherently misogynistic about it. Like this kind of like, that like this kind of classic trope of like, you know, crazy hysterical women who are possessed. They're witches. They are like devils. Like they're going to intrude. They're like, like sneaky vixens who like, like it's a little bit lends to the, the kind of, myth about the the kind of legend of the kardashians that um you know that they they kind of ruin every man that comes into their life this kind of vixen seductress narrative feels very connected to this devil narrative and i think that uh the possession thing like really speaks to that and i think that in a way the goal of the show is to get somebody to get to that point like you want like bravo wants that to happen like they want somebody to get like possessed to the point where like Lisa Rinna like throws a fucking glass at Kim Richards face, you know, like it's kind of the ultimate, uh, it's like a letting go or something. I don't know. Well, there, there's so much there, you know, because it's, um, well, first of all, the, the vacation breakdowns and Kelly Ben Simone on quote unquote scary Island. She keeps saying that she's in hell. 
So, and then, and then, you know, in the, um, on the watch what happens live hundredth episode, New York special, um, Bethany says, quote, Kelly was not built for reality television, end quote. Right. And Bethany is very upfront and obvious about, I went on the show to promote my brand. So there's something about being a human body structured for reality television. Can you handle it? Can you not? You know, it, it, it reflects who you are. The rea- it reflects your own reality, but it's also something that you enter into. Yeah. You enter into its own machine. Um, so, so, so there's something, but it's also, you know, possession. It's like what we were talking about last week with, with own it. Possession is, it, you know, it is many, it, it's being possessed, but it's also possessing. And it's also a possession, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it is just this, um, it is just this um, like infatuation, even like that Satanist guy was saying, it's this infatuation with possession, with having things. And it's, and I, you know, and so in all of these, um, it even makes me think of, um, there. I got in really into like medieval, like female mystics and like medieval possession a couple of years ago. And one of the things was that there, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of like uh, medieval exorcisms and, and that are written about probably by men, but there are a lot of these medieval exorcisms that take place where women become possessed and the, and the way to cure the woman is to hold them on the ground and to reach into their vagina while they're while the woman is being held on the ground they reach into the vagina and they and they pull it out so there's this type of like bodily emptying it's like this feminized thing it's like it's you know, very it's what Jules saying right it's what Jules is saying I want to own a company so I can have there's a void you know what I mean so you're either possessed or you possess and that 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 becomes another binary right it's also this kind of this kind of idea of like this kind of feminized idea of like a vessel, like a vest, like being a vessel for like. So I, in college, was really interested in the Sibyl, like the Sibylline prophet mm-hmm. in classical antiquity, and yeah. so she is a prophet that basically is written about from like the first texts of Virgil, like the first texts ever, kind of that were discovered. She's written about there, and then she's basically integrated throughout uh, Roman history, and then she's made a symbol to like make pagans like to have pagans convert to christianity because they had because she was part of the pagan tradition the romans adopt her as part of a christian tradition and like i wrote this essay in college it was like her journey to the sistine ceiling because she's now she's drawn on the sistine ceiling opposite the prophet the isaiah prophets Mm -hmm. um but female prophets like female saints and stuff like, you know, the sculpture of Bernini, like St. Teresa on ecstasy, she's being like penetrated, you know, by the word of God. And she's like in this orgasmic, ecstatic position. And the Sybil actually is one of the only female prophets who retains the first person when she speaks the word of God. So there's an idea of possession. Prophets are possessed. So prophets possess the word of god and then they speak it but most of the women prophets unsurprisingly they're like just taken over and then they just speak in god's voice but the sibyl is like i'm the sibyl and i'm like being communicated with and i'm going to tell you this thing but you know like 
she shows up in in this writing um by some like roman leader who was like going to war and he didn't know what to do and he goes and prays at a shrine and this old withered woman shows up and he immediately recognizes as both the sibyl and the church like the literal physical embodiment of the church so like you know the, the idea of symbol the symbolism of like women being vessels and symbols to map things onto is like you know as old as fucking time and that's not even like that interesting but it does really connect to the kind of housewives thing because they are basically they kind of are like empty vessel like you you project all this stuff on, i don't know you know i think there's something there yeah wow i mean yeah well what my my favorite my theme my favorite prophet is hildegard von bingen yes do you know Hildegard? Yeah. I can love it. I mean, who doesn't love me and me and all the other e-girls? Um, <laughs> everyone, everyone loves Hildegard. I used to think it was like cool that I liked her, but then I realized that like everyone likes her. Yeah. But um, it's still cool. But what I love about Hildegard, um, if you if you've read her skivias, um, Hildegard was um so when she's talking about when she's when she's like uh when Hildegard, Hildegard doesn't say God came in me. She actually says it was like something that was already in me that then blew, that like, that made me sick. It was something that, that was originally in me that was making me sick. And the only way I could get rid of the sickness was by speaking it. So, I mean, in a way it's kind of like a period. It's kind of like getting your period. I'm not, you know, and I'm not saying, and I just want to be clear with this because um, whatever, but I'm not saying that the feminine thing is the period. I'm saying that the period in this case acts as a metaphor sure. for a, a sort of like anti-male or a type of like male alternative yeah. to, to the penetration that as you're saying, usually goes on with the prophets. Um, I'm, I'm saying that what, what it, I'm relating it to a feminized version yes. of prophethood through the metaphor of your period. Yeah. So, she becomes sick with the knowledge that is already inside her. Nothing new came into her. And the only way she, she can heal herself is by speaking it. And, you know, she speaks it and she's healed. And yeah. that was God. Yeah. But I think that that's really interesting. But it's also, I think that, you know, there, I think of Julian of Norwich, who she was like, I want to be a prophet. I want to communicate with God. So what did she do? She enclosed herself in a in that I, i'm forgetting what it's called in the church but that tiny little room that people that's go the, in. the punishment saints do yeah well i was just gonna talk about yeah go ahead but she enclosed herself in a room in a, in a she almost hermetically sealed but she occasionally would have like food or, or or water to drink i think that a very it's almost like a very female thing to do is to not only make yourself a vessel but to enclose yourself in a vessel that type of claustrophobia and you can you know you can even you can even see that in the housewives in the houses that they're building and building and building it's like different types of and the dresses and the the excess of i mean like the makeup yeah yeah well i you know so i have a couple of things to say so tighter brighter lighter vagina oh oh god oh my god i mean i could talk about this for literally hours so so the other thing is like female saints you know that's like female saints are constantly doing things to themselves to like like ascetic punishment to like 
get closer to God. And like, you know, we could venture, you know, I don't know, let's, let's propose the housewives as saints, right? Like they're like eating disorders. They're, they're punishing. They're like in, you know, they're punishing themselves. I mean, there, there is parallels, like you're saying, like, you know, they, yeah, the eating disorder thing is like a huge thing with female saints. Like so many people saints died of starvation, like so many, like I was obsessed with it in my religion class. Like it's, it's really, I mean, there's a lot there. And I also say about the possession thing, it's like possessing fame is a kind of possess, like to have fame is like a thing. It's kind of an object or a, or a kind of possession. And, um, uh, I forgot what was his name, but anyway, I'll think of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that's like an interesting hypothesis. I actually, I don't think that they're saints and no. I don't think that they're prophets, but I, but I, but I do think that they're American. I think they're vessels. I think they're vessels for maybe this kind of American ethos. Yeah, I guess like the saint, you know, that, uh, what's that, there's like that incredibly famous painting that they show everyone in seventh grade. That's like, it's like called Manifest Destiny or something. And it's like the angel leading like the white pioneers of Salt Lake City, others ancestors. Right, it's like the angel leading. So it's it's like this, uh, you know, this is a word that in my, the person that employs me uses a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the American Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the American spirit. It's the yeah. it's the American spirit. You know what I mean? It's um, they're they're like possessed by this like false sainthood, and that's also the thing with all of the females and even the male saints. It's the thing with saints and prophets. That's the question: Is it God or is it the devil? How do you know if it's a trick or not? Right. And I think that that's, you know what I mean? I think that that's something where it's just like, how do you know? Like, like I guess you could be a Satan saint, a Satan a saint. And I think that that's what this guy, Anton LaVey, is saying, where it's just like Ameri- Satanism is Americanism. Yeah. They're totally interchangeable. Americanism is, is, is fascism. And I think, you know, that's, again, that's not an interesting thing to say. That's something that's like a cliche at this point, but it's like, but, but I actually, what you said is really on the nose because it's not like these women, oh, these women are prophets. These women are saints. These women are feminist icons. It's like, so beyond that, it doesn't even matter about that. These women are vessels of American Gnosticism. These women are vessels of American Satanism, which itself is oxymoronic. And they're vessels for um, our ideas of what women should be. I mean, that's what's so misogynistic about Andy Cohen is that he's created these shows that like are like the worst kind of things people think about women are just like on display as a performance. And I'm not saying they have no agency and they're like being puppeteered, but you know, they are total vessels for like what we think like some essential femininity is about like and you know the idea of like this kind of like enclosing yourself like I think when the housewives seem the most sinister is like when they're like so decked out in stuff and like Jen on Salt Lake City seems like she has so much she has a metal clip in her hair her hair's huge her face is crazy she's got tons of makeup on she's like seven rings she's got earrings she's got bracelets 
you can't like see her. You cannot see her. And like, that's a thing that's in the housewives a lot. Like, I mean, Luann's always wearing like a fucking huge ass statement necklace. You know, like you can't actually see them. Like there's somebody like, it's like too much reflection. It's like, you, you can't catch a glimpse of them because like their diamonds are reflecting into your eyeballs. Like there's like the kind of excessive. And I think it's the excessive thing that turns people off of the show. Like when I've talked to people who are like, I can't really deal with this show. It's the ex- it's excess. They're like, it's way too much. Like way too much talking. But I think the excess thing, I do really think that the excess thing is really connected to this idea of kind of like an essential sin, like this gluttony kind of, you know, idea. Yeah, I was watched. So I introduced uh, one of my friends to it and we were like watching it after having like a, re- like we had like a really big day together, you know, you know, what those days you have in your, and you're like exhausted at the end of it. But then we started watching Real Housewives and it was like the reunion and they just got like, they start, they like literally had a panic attack and I was like, let's shut this off. Cause, and it was like, because it was too social. And yeah. there's someone who's, who's like kind of socially awkward, not on the outside, but like on the inside, they get very anxious by like social interaction and they just, they couldn't handle it. Right. They couldn't yeah. handle the intense sociality um, of it. And, you know, and that is a very devilish thing, as you're saying, hiding in plain sight. I think that if anyone's, and, and you, I'll let you go, but I, I think that if anyone's the devil, it's Bethany. I think that Bethany is the devil. Yeah. I think also that, but that idea of like this excessive socialness is also very like, that's a warm environment for the devil. Like, mm-hmm. like devil's, devils enter into these social things and like the devil is in every social interaction you have and that's interesting because about americanism because i think americanism is kind of essentially social in a way yeah well that's what sartre said hell is other people (laughs) you know exactly (laughs) exactly yeah yeah no that's that's really that's really yeah and also i I feel that this idea of like disguise, like the devil is always in disguise. Like they're all like, I mean, we talked about the mask with Meredith, you know, the excess of jewelry. They're all, you know, it's really, it really is hard to tell like what their central nature is and what isn't. And what I think we're really getting at is some sort of idea of like interior versus exterior, like this kind of concealment versus, you know, public persona. And you know, and in another sense, what happens to people when their public persona kind of precedes them? Like it gets, it transcends them in a way that they, they'll never catch up to, right? Like the Kardashians, there's a, there's a little bit of a feeling with the Kardashians, but like there kind of must be empty inside. Like there's no way they can keep up with all that image of themselves. So like, I think that that is probably, every time I finish a phrase, I say, there's something there. That's the catch of this podcast. Yeah, there's something there. We'll there's end that. There. There's something there. We don't know what, but there's there's something. It must be something. We'll figure it out. Maybe, maybe never. I think that one of the things about that uh, maybe freaks me out about Salt Lake City is it's all done in hyperbole. Yeah. Um, where it, it's like the excessive, excessive mm-hmm. makeup. It's the excessive, excessive um dynamics it's the met ball but like if you're on four tabs like like if I took like acid and I told my brain like do a weird fucked up met gala 
it would be like, it, I would like fucking hallucinate the like Met Gala quote unquote that they did in SL. That's like, that's like, anyway, the, it seems like if I took acid and was having a really bad trip, it would be the Salt Lake City. Like I would be in there. That's like my bad acid trip because so, it's just like a reflection of the reflection, which is all the other Housewives franchises or like the coastal housewives franchises it's like you go to the middle and all of a sudden it's hyperbole because it's like it's like what Baudrillard says it's like the simulation isn't even simulating the real it's like it's the simulation of the simulation and that's what makes it so fucked up mm -hmm. is that there's nothing uh there's nothing solid and I so so it's like I think that it's actually more complicated than internal external being empty inside I don't think that I don't and I don't necessarily know, you know, it's something there. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily know what it is, but I think that it's it's not a void. Because even no, the concept of void, void is, it's, I mean, the, the concept of being empty inside it is, is like an incredibly holy thing, especially in like Jewish mysticism, um, even, even in Catholicism, like in a, really across religions. Relation. Holy emptiness, yeah. Anorexia. Yeah. Right, and right, holy anorexia, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Something's there. <laughs> Something there. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's, um, yeah, I know it's definitely more complicated, but I think there's something essential about, you know, talking about presentation versus your interior world or something because that's kind of what's compelling about watching things on tv is because like especially reality tv is like you really think if you watch for long enough you know and let yourself be taken by it which i like to do i like to do that as a thought exercise like believe everything they say like you really believe you believe them and you believe that they are who they are but the comp what makes them famous and interesting is that you want to know what's really their interior you want to know like like so i've been watching the kardashians which like you know i need to start watching housewives again but i want to wait for you and i want to watch atlanta together but i've been watching kardashians and i've been thinking about you know you really they really really make you feel like you know them and you're you know their lives and you do but you you're never gonna know really their interior you know everything going on inside of them and that's what you want that's what everybody want like that's why they're so compelling that's why people stalk them that's why you know like yeah. there is something about like the inner world of of and that's why like withholding people are so powerful on those shows because they they kind of refuse that um but then they don't get famous because it's not interesting well yeah i mean that and that's part of the the whole process of con of concealment right is you show so much that you're you're overwhelmed by how much you can see by the hyper visibility that actually what you you realize you, and right that's that's the thing it's like you watch these people you you know everything about them but at the end of the day all you want is more i mm. want more one more i feel like i know nothing about them i want more I yeah. want to know their secrets and I want to know it before anyone else knows it. And it, it, it creates a whole politics and a whole social economy around these individuals who their lives are structured 
around a very devilish understanding of 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 like hyper public visibility in order to hide. Yeah, totally. And they're even like, I mean, the Kardashians actually kind of get into it too because they actually they're so famous now. So that, famous. You know, I can think of like just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of the episode where um, Chloe and Kylie and Kendall are like, we want to be normal people. So they dress it. They like, they like spend thousands of dollars putting on like stage makeup. Obsessed. To look like normal people. Amazing. Amazing. So like celebrity tour of LA, mm. which is like that. I mean, first of all, that's like what type of, what normal do you think is normal? Like, do you, like middle that's, American normal? That's first an amazing of all. instance of that. It's amazing that, that, yeah. that's, on, that that's on TV. I know, and you can just, you can, then they like escape into the private driveway of yeah. like the Chateau Marmont. And yeah. you're like, it's also, oh my God, they, it's, what I always think is like, they're fucking desecrating the Chateau Marmont. You know what I mean? Like that's where Eve Babbitt's belongs. That's not yeah. where like fucking Kardashian Jenner's belong. But yeah. then I also think of like that interview that I sent you earlier today from like 2018, we're like very late with, with Kendall, uh, when they go into, I think it's like the Beverly Hills hotel into yeah. like the private, uh, garage and, cars and she's talk, right. And she's talking about her like super blingy cars and, she, and the reporters, like, um, I thought you wanted to, blend, I thought you didn't want pe- people to see you. And she was like, well, like these cars are hyper visible. And I think that there's something about, about being seen so much as, you know, it's like the blind, it's like the eye of God. It's the blinding light. It's, you know, God, God says, let there be light. And all of a sudden there's everything. It's like this everythingness, which you, you, you have no idea. It's like, there's too much sun in your eyes. You go blind. And I think that that's so much of what like celebrity, celebrity is. And like, part of it, part of me wants me to relate this type of vision to, to what we were talking about, the relationship between Satanism and the circus and the circ and the roundness. I want, I, there, there's something in me that wants to relate this type of like closed circuit. Yeah. Which is even like the heartbeat, it's the blood circulation. Part of me wants to relate hypervisibility to the closed shape of the circle. Yeah, for sure. I think, right. Well, the closed shape implies some sort of like in- interiority and like a-, a closed system. So you you kind of know, once you enter it, you know what's gonna, you know, you know nothing really else can enter it, right? Is that kind of a, a thing of it? Like, is that how you think of a circle? I mean, cause that's kind of what is, but a circle is also like an infinite loop. <laughs> I think that some of it is just like about the sun being a circle, about like the spherical nature of the planet and the sun. Um, I think I think some of it is like if you're if right if you're inside something, uh, there's there's just a lot of blindness that goes on within the infinite. Yeah, and but and I think that that's like something that we've touched on a little bit before is this, like there's so much that it becomes like blank or blind, like you, like yeah. it, it becomes its own density, you know it. Right, right. Becomes, a, becomes a blob and you can't see through it. So blindness is definitely active in this kind of um, discussion. And I think, yeah, well, I also think the hypervisibility thing is that like you probably, I mean, like Kendall Jenner, like probably to some degree, like 
needs to think she's being seen. She just needs, I don't, you know, she's been on camera since she was really young and has like grown up in the public eye. I think you can't like just turn that off. I don't think they know how to be normal people. And I think if you have that much money, you want to just like, and you're really young. Yeah. You just buy something because you're not actually thinking about whether people are going to look at you or not. And then you're like, well, oh, well, they've been looking at me for this long, you know, like, um, yeah, I mean, but I, so as a person, I'm obsessed with the idea of seeing the Kardashians like in LA. Like I want to see them. So I want to spot Kim somewhere so badly. And like, I met Kris Jenner at my old job. And yeah. It was crazy and like totally insane. Uh, very cool. But like, m- like every time I drive around, like in Malibu, I'm like, and look at the big escalades. I'm like, I wonder if Kim's in there. And it's endlessly fascinating to me. I'm like, she could be in there. Who knows? I don't know. Who could be in there? You know? I feel like if you actually saw her, it would be such a disappointment. Like the the whole the whole joy of it is that like the the car windows are tinted. Yeah. I mean, exactly. like I can do that in college where like my I mean, whatever. I'm not gonna say anyone's name. I'm not even gonna say where I went to college. I'm <laughs> college in Nebraska. Just kidding. My college professor was one of like the fucking like literary icons of like growing up wherever I grew up they have not revealed that but my advisor was like the literary icon of the fucking neighborhood where I grew up and I became obsessed with this person and I wanted to sleep with this person and I don't want to put words in his mouth but it was one of those relationships and it was one of those relationships where I wanted someone so badly that when it finally became true it becomes disgusting and it becomes, it, it's the secret that you didn't want because you want the secret. I think that that's something that you learn is like you want the secret and then a book came out that may or may not have been by him. <laughs> he, he would just be so angry at me if I was saying this, but like, and I was the protagonist. Well, I'll the say protagonist it. It's about like, you. Yeah, and it was. And like, I actually like, and then we met for coffee and he totally denied it. And he started screaming at me in this coffee place. And like, but like, I know his girlfriend. I like, I don't know his girl, but they're like degrees of separation. And like, for whatever reason, my family growing up was like, we have many mutual friends in common. And one of them saw my brother on the subway and was like, oh my God. Like they hadn't seen each other in years. And I was like, oh my God, how's your sister? How's Phoebe? Oh, Phoebe's fine. Oh my God, didn't our mutual friend, the literary icon figure, write a book about her? Because that's all he can talk about these days. And my brother went, oh yeah, I guess you did. You know what I mean? So it's like, and I I think that the only reason I'm saying that is like, because I kind of found myself in a situation where I became the hyper visible. And part of what hurt me so much about reading that book and seeing that book, because I was working at a bookstore at that point, it was like, this is our book, was just like, I became the vision of myself that was seen via this person who was the secret, who was what I wanted. And then once it becomes true, like seeing the Kardashians, it explodes. It's horrible. It's depressing. You want to kill yourself. Yeah. Sorry. Did that make any sense? I'm so sorry. It did. It did. It's just like you, you know, do people really want to be seen? You know, 
being witnessed is a very scary, I mean, that's people like talk about like in love and like true love is like somebody's really witnessing you and you're witnessing somebody else. And therefore they're witnessing parts of you that you can't really see, like you can't really access. And so, no, I don't think that we're really seeing any of these women, but we're really being convinced that we are. And there's a feeling that you're, you're getting some intimate, vulnerable view of, of them. And, um, and in a way, you know, you kind of grow with them. You know, if you've watched, if you've watched it for years, you know, you've been hanging out with Luanne de Lesseps for 10 fucking years. (laughs) You know, like, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's the idea of being seen and yeah, the idea of sight and blindness is definitely really interesting there. And I mean, I think our view, we're being, we're being tricked a lot of the time in reality TV, you know, everybody kind of knows that, but the trick that's interesting to me is like, it's, it's a little bit like it's a participate, you participate, like, you know what you're getting into. And I think everyone on some level understands what they're getting into. It's like, everyone knows it's like bad TV. Like everyone knows it's like kind of lowbrow, like it's not really real, but everyone wants it still. Yeah, well, that's what I love. I mean, they've made people like Andy Cohen and Ryan Seacrest, they've made reality into an adjective. Because yeah. I think that reality used to be used to be a noun. It just mm-hmm. used to be the thing itself. It's like almost like platonic, like the different, pla- like the platonic stages of like the yeah. thing and shit like that. Yeah. Um, reality has literally been made into an adjective. Yeah, totally. But I think we should talk more of later, like eventually about like the idea of like possession and like transformation, like transforming into like kind of a devilish monster figure. Like, you know, there's like a, that that's something that um, is also really associated with like women, like the idea of like a bridezilla, you know, it's like a monster who's a bride, you know, like, yeah. I'm really, I'm really interested in these uh, like idiomatic expressions that have to do with the economy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't even realize that before we like un- until we talked about it. But like the own it, the possession. The, I mean, I, it's yeah. super interesting. Right, because because I think that so much of who they are is like this is like a euphemism. It's even an idiom of America. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not over that one yet. And I, I think that part of part of that is the is their own idiomat like is their own idioms is their own language is their own like subconscious uh, wording of how they self describe yeah and how they describe their circle how they describe right. their own ring their own engagement to to whatever it is they're participating in. And how they internalize whatever that ring is, you know, because like you're talking about reading that book and feeling like horrible and freaked out and in pain. Can you imagine like watching yourself on TV during a reunion and your little face is in the box in the corner? I mean, I would pay big money to watch them watch the show back for the first time, like respectively in their homes, because I bet they do it very privately. Like, I don't think they I don't think they view it together because I think it's too much. I think it's like. And New York, like, especially like New York, when like crazy things happen, it's always like watching the reunions is crazy. Cause they're like, they're like watching themselves and they're like, you know, Bethany has a few moments where she's like, oh my God, I mean, that was awful. I, you know, it's just, it's crazy. 
Well, that was something else that, you know, I, in college I had this boy, like I wasn't a boyfriend, but I like fell, it totally fell in love with this guy. And then, um, you know, as, as many things when you're in love crazily, it ended too soon and we like never spoke again. Um, and then I like, I like wrote this big poem about him that like got, it like got published, but before it got published, I needed to, I needed to send it to him because I was like, I want to use your name and we hadn't spoken in three years. So I sent him the poem and then he immediately texted me back, which was like, wow, you've never immediately texted me back ever before. Um, and then we ended up having this incredible like two hour conversation, but like I was dating Chris and I had all these feelings and my brother came over, who's the musician. So we made a song and I, I had a song about this guy. And then I was like, oh my God, I want to send a song to the guy. And my brother was like, so then you're just going to do all of this again. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like the witness of the witness. It's infinity. And I think that that's another thing about the circle. It's like, I would pay big money to watch them, watch themselves at the reunion, but I would pay even bigger money to watch them, watch them, watch them at the reunion yeah because yeah. it's like we're trying to get closer to this idea of the anti-simulation you're trying to get closer to the idea of the real of the soul even yeah. you like want to know who bethany is you want to fuck bethany you want to be next to her in bed you want to hear her but i think that they're like the the uh, the intoxicating thing it's like drugs drugs are the best when you do them the first time yeah. um you can't you can't you can't and like that right that's again we can cut all of this out when I'm speaking but the thing about reading that book is I was like all I've wanted my entire life was for some famous novelist who like could have been my father to write a book about me and then when finally the famous novelist who could have been my daddy like wrote a book about me I was disgusted by who I appeared to be yeah it's horrifying I hated it I was like I I couldn't yeah for a year, I couldn't read or write. Or do well, anything. it's you. It's 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 who you appear to be, but it's you from somebody. You know, it's a it's a literary version. So there's you know obviously like embellishment and, but it's a caricature, which is always hard to, you know. That's how you see people. You know what I mean? It's how yeah. you. I think there's so much trust and there's so much love in 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 letting yourself be seen by someone and and. It's very, it's the most intimate thing, I think, you know? Well, I think we should cut it off because we're just gonna go on and on. And I think we've, I think we've made it, we've made it, we've made some interesting points. Let's just say that. What? We can't talk too long that we start to sound like rambling idiots. But I mean, you know, everybody listening even though it hasn't been released yet both of our boyfriends to all the dedicated <laughs> fans um you know there's something there and i encourage everybody to uh hold that with them as they enter this next week just you encounter something there's something there hold on to it sit with it so my therapist tells me to do sit with it we just need you to sit down and understand that there's something circuses okay people well you haven't gotten to the episode where tinsley performs at the big apple circus well that's we're gonna have a five episode special on that episode obviously but for all of our listeners sit with it there's something there there's something there don't you forget it all right money can't money can't buy it you know that you know buy you class but money can buy you ass Oh yeah, it can. Get out there. Woohoo. Okay. Peace out.